country, and his disciples follow him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Is, now, isn't it amazing that they would say all of that? Here's the commendation. This is tremendous, everything that we're seeing happen here. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, and then they turn around and said, But is it not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and of Judah and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. They were offended at him. Let me just stop and say this. As this church grows and thrives, we're going to see young people coming up in this church in ministry. It will happen. Some of them will play. Some of them will teach. Some of them will be soul winners and witnesses. And some of them will be prayer warriors and altar workers. Some of them will be preachers. And it's going to be a wonderful thing. Let us be very careful that we don't ever put our uh, young people coming up in our church in the situation where they feel like they cannot thrive among us. That was worth the trip to church tonight. Let's make sure that they know that we support them. And here's here's the the, the thing. Um, well, how about this? I'll let you be seated since I'm going to probably get going here. Everybody say, God bless. Amen. Um, the thing is, it, it does become a, a little difficult because we watch people grow up and we see them at their worst. We see them at their worst. And I sure wouldn't want everybody judging me off of my worst days. And I've had some tough days. And I've had things I'm not proud of. I know none of y'all have. Y'all just... Y'all just let me bear my soul to you, okay? But we've all, we've all been there. We've all had things we're not proud of. And, and let's be careful that we give them room to grow and mature and room to find forgiveness, mercy, grace from the Lord and go on to become tremendous vessels through which God would operate and work. And if we will do that, if we will create an environment where they can thrive, there's a couple of good things that will happen. One, it will bless this church, and it will bless the ministry of this church and and the reach of this church, and we want that to happen. Amen? And it will also help them be more liable to want to stay home and be around all of us. And I'm, I'm on a mission. I am a man on a mission for my kids to never want to grow up and move away. (laughs) <laughs> now, I want to move out of my house one of these days. <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe just not quite out of sight, but we pulled. <laughs> we were pulling up to our house um, today, and Asher's been, Asher's kind of been in this, in this place where um, he, there's a few things that he wants to uh, in regards to his own freedom. Um, he wants to be able to have all the animals that he can have in his house. 
And my wife has informed him that will never happen as long he is, as he is living under our roof. And so uh, he's been trying to figure out what he can do because he had told us he didn't ever want to move out. He didn't want to get married and leave. He wanted to stay with us, you know. And, and um, so he's trying to figure out how he's going to reconcile all of that. So we were pulling into our drive today, and those of you that know where we live, you know, there's, you pull into a drive, and it, there's uh, a house right there that you drive past going to our house. He said, he said I'm just going to, he said, I'm going to work, make some money. I think I'm, <laughs> I'm going to put up a lemonade stand, make some money, and I'm going to buy that house. <laughs> and, uh, and he said, that way I'll be really close to you and Mom, but I can still have all my animals in my house. <laughs> I, I just got to work it, you know. And if you can work, plan your work and work your plan, you can make it. So... That would be all right with me, you know, because I'm on a mission for my kids to grow up and want to stay close to mom and dad. And um, and so if we will love them, we will give them room to grow and, and, and mature. Um, they'll be a whole lot more apt to want to stay here. And not only does it bless our church, it, it, it blesses us as parents and grandparents. Amen? Amen? That was just for free tonight. So getting back into this. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and of Judah and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, and among his own kin, and in his own house. And he could there do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief, and he went round about the villages teaching. Now, I'm teaching tonight from, I guess I'd give it this title, if you want a title, um, an atmosphere of faith. An atmosphere of faith. I want our church to be a place where there is an atmosphere of faith that is resident in this house all the time. And whatever the service is, if it is a Sunday worship service, if it is a Sunday Bible uh, lesson in, in a Sunday school class, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to reports of, young, of our kids getting the Holy Ghost in Sunday school. Amen. I am. I was, uh, Sunday evening, I went and preached in Wynn uh, for Brother Ison and when I was there, I was telling the church what I told some of you that uh, they told me it was 1974 that they built that building that they're in right now. And um, in 1974, when they built that building, my wife's great-grandfather, and I guess would be your, your great-grandfather as well. Kaylee is my wife's cousin. Lee is my cousin. Nobody would believe that, but it's true. <laughs> and so uh, they call. I've always heard him referred to as Grandpa Hewling. Uh, helped build that church and win, and was a significant part of helping build that church and win. Um, and then here in 2016, which is somebody help me do the math. 
uh, 26, 16, 32, 42 years. 42 years later for my son to receive the Holy Ghost in that same building, that same auditorium that he helped build 42 years ago. He didn't even know he was, he was investing in something that was going to bring reward to his great, great grandchild. Isn't that incredible? That is incredible. The Lord's so good. And, and um, we want this to be the kind of an atmosphere that our kids can get the Holy Ghost even in those classrooms. They can have prayer and they can begin. They, there could be a move of God tonight as they have kids' church and Asher gets up and, and says whatever he's. And I don't even know what he. If he says something bad, you know, y'all don't put it on me. You blame his mother for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But who knows what could happen? And and I have I was always amazed when when I would preach uh, youth services and and the younger the more amazed I was because the younger they were uh, that junior high age is is the is the toughest age to me to minister to and I'd be ministering to to perhaps that age group and they'd be looking at me the whole time like. You know, I'd, and I'd be looking at them thinking all they're ready to do is get out of here. Did anybody have experience what I'm talking about? Okay. And I think they don't hear a word I'm saying. And then you finish and you say, let's, why don't we come pray together? And, and, it's like, and, 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 and they just hit the altar boohooing and weeping and, and, and getting the Holy Ghost. And you're saying, my goodness. <laughs> Thank you for humbling me, Lord. <laughs> It can happen, and we want the atmosphere of our church to be such that any time, any place, any service, any meeting that we have going on, that there is an atmosphere of faith here that God can work however He wants to work. Now, there's a lot of reasons that people come to church. Some people come to church because they want to, um, they want to prove to, to other people that they are a churchgoer, or that they are uh, that that they have a place that they're connected to. They feel like it is their Christian duty just to show up and be there. Some people come to church because they they like the fellowship, and they like to be able to rub shoulders with other people. And and people come to church. Maybe um, I, I've I've known kids that came to church, and they came. You know why they came to church? Because they knew they were going to get a, something to eat at Sunday school. And they may not get anything to eat at home. And I, I've seen people come to church for many, many reasons through the years. Maybe they were chasing somebody and uh, they, they were, that they wanted to have a relationship with. And, and whatever the case may be. Maybe they came because uh, it was Mother's Day and a mom said, I'd really like you to come be in church with me. Or, who, who knows why, but, but I want to make sure... That when we come here, we're not just coming here to, to check some box in a, in a list of things and list of reasons that we would come here for. It is possible to come here into his presence. And that's good. And that is okay to a point. But the real victory that we need to strive for in this church is not just us being in his presence, but his presence being in us. And there needs to be a reciprocating factor there. The Lord said in 
the book of John, he said, except uh, you abide in me and I abide in you. You can't even bear fruit if we don't get this thing right. You have to be in me and I have to be in you. And so we need to make sure that we uh, are hungry for the presence of God to be in all of us. Now, I thank God. There's a good spirit here tonight. There's a good feeling in this place tonight. I'm thankful for that. I'm very appreciative of that. But I don't just want to, to, to make it off of what I feel in here right now. I want to make it because I know that God is with me. No matter what I'm going through, God is with me. Amen. So don't just settle for being in God's presence. You need to make sure that His presence is in you. Because though we can be in His presence, it's possible to be in His presence and not be changed by Him. And we want change. We want transformation. We want there to be something happen in us. Christ being formed in us. The hope of glory. So... We read in Mark about Jesus going uh, back home and, and beginning to teach in the synagogue and the things that happened there and the unbelief that was there. Uh, it, it, it's just amazing to me. It's just amazing to me that, that they, they limited him so much. Um, now, there's something... There's something I want to say to you here. And I'm trying to... Okay. I'm stopping because I was trying to see if I added a note in here. And if I don't say it now, and if I don't have it written down, I'll forget it later. Y'all know what I'm talking about? So I wanted to make sure I had it here. Because I'm going to show you something that absolutely blew my mind about how Jesus looks at our faith. Don't ever allow yourself to limit what the Lord can do in you simply because you refuse to believe that He can. Don't ever put God in a place where He can't operate the way He needs to operate because you have allowed unbelief to come into your life and you are holding Him hostage. Who was it talking about the, the, the vehicle with the... Was that you talking about the governor on the vehicles Sunday in Sunday school? And you put a governor on a vehicle and, and that, that engine is capable of so much more. But you get that governor on it, you can dial it back and, and you, you limit the ability of the engine. The engine has tremendous capability, but it's held back by such a small, seemingly insignificant thing as the governor. And if we're not careful, we will act as a governor to the Lord. And we will hold him back from what he is wanting to do in our lives, in our families, in our church services, in our church family. We will, we will hold him back. Israel, Israel held back God for 40 years. 40 years. Years they held the Lord back. They, he had it all set up for them. 
he was ready for them to go. He had the, 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 the promised land was, was, was theirs for the taking. And yet, because they would not go in and take the land, and they allowed unbelief to come in and grab a hold of them, they stymied the purpose and the will of God for 40 years. Now, I want you to understand something. You say, well, well God, I've heard people say this, and I, and I know, again, this is one of those things, I know what we mean, but I think we need to be real careful and think about what we're saying. I've heard people say, well, if God wants it done, it's going to be done no matter what. Well, I believe that. I believe it will be done no matter what. However, we may lose a whole generation of people waiting for it to be done that he didn't intend for them to be lost. Does anybody here think it was the will of God for all of those uh, Hebrew people to die in those 40 years in the wilderness? No, it wasn't his will. His will was to take them into the promised land. He, matter of fact, it was so much his will that he was upset with them when he couldn't bring them into the promised land because of their unbelief. And so, yes, God's will is going to be accomplished because there's always going to be somebody who's going to rise up at some point and say, we can do better than this. Now, I'm praying, and I, I may preach a little bit tonight the way I feel right now, but I'm praying that we would be a group of people that we would make sure that I, I wish all of us would get that kind of a spirit on us that says we can do this. We can see what God wants us to have. We can experience the blessings of God. We can experience the supernatural power of God. We can see miracles in our church. We can see healing in our church. We can see deliverance in our church. We can see the people feel the Holy Ghost in our church. We can see all of these things happen. We can see backsliders come home in our church. We can see people with a messed up mind get a made up mind in our church. It can and it will happen. Somebody ought to clap their hands and praise God for that. Let's not limit what he wants to do simply because we don't want to believe what he wants to do. Faith. Faith. Now, faith is the fundamental essence of a relationship with God. It all boils down to our faith. Faith. It is the, it is the primary building block of what God would do in and through us. Jesus was in the temple, but the people refused to allow him into their lives. They had limited faith. And it is possible for the Lord to be in the church, but not be in the people that are in the church. The sick people that allowed Jesus to touch them, the Bible said, they were healed, but only a few of them. Because the rest of them didn't believe that he could heal them. So not all of them were healed in that situation. Just those that would touch him. And I preached about how he healed them all Sunday. You remember that? Who, what all did he heal? He healed all the ones who came to him who needed a touch. But those who stood back and didn't avail themselves, that was their problem. Jesus was amazed at the unbelief that was in that house that day. Now, think on this. Think on this with me. This, is, this just hit me today, and it was tremendous. 
When I read in Mark chapter 6, uh, verses 1 and 6, when you look at verse number 6, it says, And he marveled. Everybody say, he marveled. He marveled because of their unbelief. And I, and I thought to myself, I'm going to do a little study. I wonder how many times Jesus marveled in the Bible. I'm going to go look and see what made Jesus marvel. So I did a word study and began to look at it. And there are two times that Jesus marveled. Now, y'all ready for this? The first one is he marveled when there was no faith. It's what we just read about, their unbelief. But the Bible also said he marveled when he had a situation come up and he looked at a man, he said, I haven't seen, I have not found so great faith. Thank you, Brother Jimmy. He marveled at him, turned him about, and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. That the only times Jesus marveled was when it was people that had no faith and people that had great faith. Because the only thing that Jesus is really interested in is whether or not you have faith. He wants to know, do you have faith? Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith? He is looking for people who have faith. God looks for a church that is a faith-filled church. He looks for parents who are faith-filled parents. He looks for Sunday school teachers who will be faith-filled Sunday school teachers. He's looking for musicians and singers that will be faith-filled musicians and singers. He's looking for altar workers who will be faith-filled altar workers. He is looking for people of faith. And he... He knows that everybody has a little faith because the Bible said that it's given unto every man the measure of faith. And every man is given the measure of faith. So everybody's got some faith. Everybody say some faith. But, and he expects that. But what he doesn't expect is for there to be little faith or no faith. And so when he came across a group of people and they had unbelief, he marveled and said, I can't believe that your faith is so low. After all that you have heard, after all that you have seen, after all that has happened, and he had just done a few things here. After what has happened, I cannot believe that your faith level is so low. He said, you ought to have enough faith just to get the job done because I've given you enough just to get the job done. Now, you think on this with me a minute. Most of the people who Jesus healed in his ministry, healing at that particular time was not something they had been seeing. They had not been seeing healing take place in, in the 400 years of silence between the Old Testament and the New. Healing hadn't been taking place. God was silent. God was not moving. God was not speaking to them. 400 years. So they, this is a group of people who grew up not experiencing the miraculous manifestation of the Spirit of God. 
Yet, when Jesus arrives on the scene and he begins to tell them that I can heal you, I can make you whole, what happened? It, start, it began to take place, did it not? How does that happen with a group of people who had never heard that this could happen or seen it happen or heard about it happening? How does that... T- Explain that to me. I'll tell you how. It's because they had a measure of faith. You're born with a measure of faith. It's in you. It's innate. So when our faith gets so low that unbelief creeps in, it causes the Lord to look at us and say, Now, I had a group of people that had never even seen a miracle that I could heal them because they had enough faith. And you've seen a miracle, and yet you won't believe me to heal you Because your faith is dipped so low. And he marveled at it. Now you're going to be in one group. You can either be with those that he's going to marvel because they don't have any faith. Or you can join me. I'm going to plan to be on the other side with those that have great faith. And believe God can do anything. I want to believe God can do anything. I want to believe that God can... God can heal anybody. I want to believe that God can deliver anybody of anything. I want to believe that there is nothing that is too hard for our God. I want to believe that God's got His hand on all of us. And God's working among all of us. Now, if you want to disbelieve that, that's going to be your your problem. And you're going to have to deal with the consequences of that. But we can become a dead church that never sees anything good happen. Or we can become a group of people that will begin to let faith arise. And we'll begin to believe God for things. And as we believe God for things, we'll begin to see some things happen. We can be a group of people that begin to have some of the testimonies of the book of Acts. We ought to be that kind of a people. Now I'm not preaching crazy tonight. And I'm not talking crazy tonight. I'm in the word of God. He marveled, and the only time he marveled was those that had unbelief or those that had great faith. It is our faith that causes Jesus to marvel one way or the other. Much of their lack of belief was because they did not accept who he was or what he had come to do. We need to be very careful that we accept who he is. That he is the mighty God. In Christ. That he is. Wonderful. Counselor. The everlasting father. The prince of peace. We need to accept that he is alpha. And he is omega. Beginning and end. We need to accept. That he is the one who was. Who is. And is to come. The almighty. We need to accept. That he is Jehovah Jireh. The Lord that provides. We need to accept that He is Jehovah Raphael, the one that heals. We need to accept that He is Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. We need to accept that He is Jehovah Mephaltai, the Lord our deliverer. We need to accept everything about who He said He was or told us He was. We need to get a hold of that and hang on to that and never let go. Never let go. And we are being, are we not being bombarded every day to disbelieve God? Every day. You better be real careful what you open your spirit up to and allow to come into your life. 
you better be very careful because there's a lot of things that we would not see uh, on the surface as being uh, as being something that would come in to steal our belief in the Lord. But there's a lot of things that would come in insidiously and they would begin to rob us of our simple faith in God. It can happen to you. It can happen to you. You listen to the wrong people too much. Folks, I'm going to tell you something right now. I know some of us, there, there, there's, there's multiple people in this room tonight. Matter of fact, let's just do it this way. If you have dealt with chronic illness in your life, would you just raise a hand? Raise it high for just a moment. Now look around and see these hands that are raised. Have you been prayed for before? But you've still dealt with the chronic illness. All right? Now, if we're not careful, somebody with a negative view of the Lord will start saying, well, I guess he just don't want to heal me. I guess he, I guess he, I guess he, I, I don't even know if I believe that he heals today anymore. I guess I just don't, and, and here he go, here we go. And we start talking stuff. And if you get around the wrong person and you start listening to them, you're going to start, that's going to get in you, and it's going to begin to eat away at your faith. And it's going to cause you to wonder, does he heal anymore? Does why is it that he's done it for others, but he won't do it for me? I guess it's not for me. I guess I can't have it. I guess I'll never experience it. It's not going to be in my family. It's th- those, are the, those are the reports that we hear in other churches or in, uh, in, at general conference or whatever the case. But I'm not, it doesn't happen in my life. And I've come tonight to give you a strong word of revelation, okay? Are you ready? You need to buckle up because this is going to hit you so hard. It's going to knock you out of your seat if you're not careful. Here's the word for that, okay? You ready? Phooey. Fooey on that. Now, I don't know what fooey means. I just, I hope it's not a bad word. But I grew up saying it. You know anything anymore, you got to be careful. Somebody's going to say, well, you know the research on that is. Just don't tell me, okay? Let me be blissfully ignorant. Fooey on that. Fooey on that. We're not going to believe those reports. But this is the way it looks. I don't care how it looks. I'm not telling you to put your head in the sand. I didn't ask anybody here tonight to say that you didn't have a chronic illness. I know you've got a chronic illness. That's the reality of the matter. However, you also have an almighty God. And He is an unlimited God. If you'll let Him be. The devil cannot limit God. The circumstance cannot limit God. The health issue cannot limit God. The only thing that can limit God is us and our faith. Now you need to hear what I'm saying right now. That is the only thing that can hold him back. But I'm saying let us have an atmosphere of faith. Let us come to this house every time we come believing God. Understanding that our God is able. Knowing that our God wants to work for us. Knowing that there is nothing that is too hard for Him. 
It is our responsibility to make sure that there is always an atmosphere in which Jesus Christ can be 100% Jesus Christ. I'm not looking to get 80%. I'm not looking to get 85%. I'm not looking to get 99% of what He can do. I want 100% of God operating and working in this church. Is anybody with me tonight? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jeremiah 33, 1-3. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah the second time. Because sometimes hearing it once isn't good enough for us. We need to be reminded. It came to him the second time while he was yet shut up in the court of the prison. Now, notice this. He's, everybody say, he's in the prison. The, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah while he was shut up in the court of the prison, saying, Thus saith the Lord, the maker thereof, the Lord that formed it to establish it, The Lord is His name. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Now you get the picture. While he is in his captured condition, and he is bound by chains, God came to Jeremiah in the middle of his prison sentence and said, I just want you to know, Jeremiah... That I know where you're at right now. And I understand the condition that you are in right now. But if you want me to show myself mighty. You are going to have to call unto me. Because I'm not going to do anything for people if they don't want to call on me. He said, but if. Put verse 3 back up there. Call unto me and I will answer thee. He said, if you will call me, I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things which you know not. So I came to church tonight to say, let's start calling on him. Let's start hollering for him. Jesus! Jesus! Oh, Jesus! We want you here, Lord. We need you here, Lord. And if we'll start calling on Him, He'll start showing us some things. Somebody just shout for a moment and give Him praise. Would you do it? He will not force His power on us. He is not looking to make you be healed. He's not looking to make you get the victory over whatever it is that you're fighting against. He's not looking for that. And let me just stop and say this. I know that I'm preaching a message of faith tonight. And I understand somebody is going to pray tonight and they're going to say, Lord, heal me. And everybody's probably not going to be healed and may not be healed. Would you quit trying to get upset at God because He didn't heal you? Did you ever stop to consider that you need to have faith to endure some things? Did you ever stop to consider that God could be using this for a greater purpose than your healing? Now, I'm not trying to get you to quit praying for healing. And I'm not trying to get you to quit believing that God wants to do some things for people. But I do want you to understand that there's going to be some times that God says, I've got a greater purpose. And I've got my hand on you for another reason. And we've got to let Him be God. Now, he's not going to force his power on anybody. 
If you have never experienced the mighty hand of God in all your walk with God, if you've never experienced His mighty hand, could it be that you have not truly called to Him? I'm wondering how desperate for God we are. I'm wondering that anymore. I I want to be desperate for Him. I do. I want to be hungry for Him. And there's days I get frustrated with myself. And I think, you know what? I've probably had it too good for too long. I'll be honest with you tonight, okay? I've probably had it too good for too long. Because it's been too long since I got real good and desperate for the Lord. And that's when I begin to preach to myself like I preach Sunday. I need thee. I need thee. Oh, I need thee, God. Every hour I need thee. Every once in a while I've got to remind this old guy right here that I need the Lord. I don't have it all figured out. And I can't get it all taken care of by myself. I need God to come move in my life. I need God to come move in our church. I Listen to me. I can't pastor this church the way God wants me to pastor this church without His help. I thank God for what's going on here right now. We've got a real good thing going on here. But it's not going to continue if we don't have God here. We need Him. We need Him. Somebody ought to throw their hands in the air and say, I need you, Lord. Let's quit being satisfied being around Him. And let Him get in us. Jehovah of the Old Testament wanted to show Himself mighty in the lives of His people. And He did that. And He robed Himself in flesh and He came in the New Testament and He dwelt among us to let us know part of what He did, the the main purpose of what the Lord came to do with the Incarnation is that He came to redeem His people to Himself. All right? That is the main purpose. And the greatest miracle that will ever take place in anybody's life is the miracle of salvation. And don't ever forget that. If I I have to go to heaven not healed in my body, that's okay. I can go to heaven healed with my soul. And I'll be just fine. You hear that? So please be so careful that that, that we do not forget the greatest miracle. However, however, he also said before he left, when they began to talk about all that he had done, and they were talking about blind eyes opening up, and they were talking about the lame standing up that had never stood before, and they were talking about those that, the dumb that could speak, and they were talking about the lepers that had been healed, and the dead that had been raised. Jesus said, I just want you to know before I go, greater works than these shall ye do. He wants to show himself mighty. God has not ever intended, when he, when he ascended into heaven, he didn't say, I'm taking with me all the miracles, and I'm taking with me all the good things that could ever happen to you. It is his intention that those things would continue on, and they would continue to operate in an apostolic church. And this is an apostolic church. And this is going to be an apostolic... I declare in the name of Jesus that this is always going to be an apostolic church where signs and miracles and wonders will take place in the name of the Lord Jesus. Somebody ought to praise God with me right now.
I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I don't want any other kind of church. I don't want any other kind of church. I don't want any other kind of church. I don't want a church just with good preaching, with just good singing. But I want a church where God moves in and God takes over and God has control. Hallelujah! 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 In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And when that old spirit of lethargy wants to creep up on a church, and it will from time to time, somebody ought to recognize it and say, I understand this isn't because we're bad people. This isn't because we're not getting good preaching. This isn't because we're not getting good people singing to us. This is because this thing tries to come up on the church from time to time. But it won't happen in my church. It's not staying in my church. And somebody ought to get up. This pastor's going to always do everything he can to do it. But I wish somebody would rise up with me when you feel that try to creep on us. And in your spirit you'd say, no, not in this service. Not today. Not with my family here. And we ought to stand up and say, let's push back and let's fight back. Hallelujah. Just raise your hands tonight. Hallelujah. 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 Let me show you how powerful it is to have God in you. Acts 16 and 22. The Bible said, and when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Who, having received such a charge, I'm sorry, I probably skipped the verse. Who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. It was another prison situation, kind of like Jeremiah had been in. It's not the atmosphere you expect God's presence to be in. But when those people that have God in them begin to call on Him... As he told Jeremiah, God begins to do some great things. And Paul and Silas built an atmosphere of faith in a prison. Paul and Silas built an atmosphere of faith at a moment when they were beat up, when they were broke down, when they were busted and disgusted. At the lowest point of their ministry perhaps, Paul and Silas began to call on the Lord and build an atmosphere of faith. And God came moving in into a place that had an atmosphere of faith. I am telling you tonight, it doesn't matter what. 
It doesn't matter when. It doesn't matter how long it's been since you've been there. If we will begin to create an atmosphere of faith and call on God, we can expect that in any service. Somebody shout, any service. In any service, at any time we gather together in His name and begin to call on Him, we can expect that God's going to begin to move. And God's going to begin to do something mighty and marvelous in our midst. That is why it is important that we allow our vessels to be full of the oil of the Lord, which is the Holy Ghost. When He talked about the five wise and the five foolish virgins, the foolish were foolish, not because they'd never had the, whole, the, the, the oil, which is a type of the Spirit. They weren't foolish because they'd never had it. They'd had it. They were foolish because they let it run out. And we need a church that will be wise. I don't care if you had the Holy Ghost 30 years ago or 20 years ago or 10. We need a church that wants the Holy Ghost now. They want the Spirit of God in them now. That's why some people saw things then that they're not seeing now. It's because they, He was in them then, but He's not in them now. And I say, let's have God in us now. Hallelujah. 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 Isn't it amazing? He was in a church and they wouldn't accept Him and He left them in their sad state. But He went to a prison where an atmosphere of faith was built and He touched them. God will leave church if He has to to go touch somebody. What did He tell? He, he had a great supper and He bade many come. And when those that were supposed to come, they all began to make excuse. They said, well, I bought a piece of property. I've got to go see about it. I bought a, a team of oxen and I've got to go prove them. I bought a wife and she don't let me go anywhere. No, that's not what it said. That's probably what he meant. No. Y'all, I just messing when I say that kind of stuff, okay? I don't think you women are like that. And I, my wife's certainly not, okay? I just feel like I need to clarify. Clarify every once in a while, all right? I'm just picking. Now, let me get back where I was. I was preaching before I messed up and went to, to, to meddling around. They said, we got all these excuses why we can't be there. He said, fine. He said, if all the people that I went to don't want to come, in other words, if the, if the folks at church where I came in and, and, and bade them, if they don't want to come, then I'll go outside the church and I'll start finding somebody who does want what I've got. And I'm telling you, I, I want it in here and I want it out there. We'd better make sure that God doesn't have to leave this church in order to do what He wants to do. Let it be that God can operate in our church the way He wants to operate. Clap your hands and give Him praise. I'm almost done. Hallelujah. Let it be that the reputation of this church goes out. People know this is a place they can be healed. This is a place that God can touch us. This is a place where our marriage can be restored. This is a place where we can be delivered of things and addictions and chains that have gotten a hold of us. This is a place where it can... Let the reputation of Sanctuary Church become such that there is nothing, there is nothing that is afraid to walk through those doors because there's a reputation here that there's an atmosphere of faith in this house where anything will take place.
And let's just, all of us do each other a favor. Okay? Let's all do each other a favor. Let's quit waiting for somebody else to be the catalyst of faith. That's probably about the second best thing I've said tonight after our kids that I was talking about in the beginning. Let's quit waiting for somebody else to become the catalyst for faith. Why do we do that? Why do we do that? Greater is he that is in you. Who are you talking to, Paul? Who are you talking to, Paul? Was that to the preachers? No, he didn't say that. Was that to the pastors? No, he didn't say that. Was that the evangelists or the prophets? No, didn't say that. He said, that's for the whole church. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Everybody in this church ought to be hungry to become a catalyst for faith to arise in this church. Now, I'm just going to tell you what I feel right now. I feel I'm in the Holy Ghost right now in a deep way. Everybody, so you need to hear this. Everybody in this church ought to become hungry to become the catalyst for faith to skyrocket in this church. And I'm not talking about one time. I'm talking about where we have a continued, sustained atmosphere of faith. I'm not preaching for this service alone tonight. And I'm not preaching for Sunday's service tonight either. I'm preaching for all of our services. I'm talking about creating a culture. This becomes the norm. What you feel right now, this is the norm of what happens when we come together. We just know it will take all of us working together to become that catalyst of faith. Matter of fact, I'm going to end on that because I feel it so strong. Here's what I'd like us to do tonight. Could we stand together? I would like for us this evening I'm going to, to practice a little bit what I'm talking about. And I wonder if we'd step out. We're not going to be long, but I'm asking you to help me. Step out. A man to a man, a lady to a lady. Go to a brother if you're a brother. Go to a sister if you're a sister. And pray with them. And not just one and not just two. I want you to hit three, four, five people. And I want us to go around and begin to pray with one another. And allow our faith to rise. And I want you to pray with them. Join together and agree with them that you can be Paul and they can be Silas. That you can be the catalyst together in any given moment. All it takes is two or three that would agree together. If two or three, my Lord help me right now. If two or three will agree together as touching anything. So I want you to become a Paul and a Silas. And I want you to have a bond with anybody in this church. All we need is two. All we need is two. And if two will agree together as touching anything, God said it can happen. So I want us to begin to step out tonight, pray one with another. Brothers, you pray with brothers. Sisters, you pray with sisters. And let's pray together that God would move. God would have His way. In the name of Jesus.
A church is going to go to another place where there is a sustained atmosphere of faith. A sustained atmosphere of faith. Find you another brother. Find you another sister. Let's pray together. Let's pray together. Take a minute or two with each one. Let's pray together tonight. Hallelujah. 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 name of Jesus in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus I'm talking about an atmosphere of faith if he can do it in a prison he can do it here if he can do it on Patmos he can do it here If he can do it in a tomb, he can do it here. Somebody ought to make God marvel tonight. Somebody ought to purpose in their heart that I'm going to have the Lord leaving here tonight marveling at great faith in my life. Let great faith be arise in our hearts, Lord. Let great faith move among us, God. Let there be great faith in this church. Marvel when you see this church, God. Don't marvel because we can't believe you. Marvel because of how well we believe you. Don't marvel because of unbelief. But I'm praying you marvel, God, because you say, I've not seen a church that will believe me like that church. Loose your great faith. Loose your great faith. Hallelujah. 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 In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, great faith, Lord. Let great faith arise in our hearts. Let great faith arise in our hearts. Let great faith arise in our hearts. hearts.